Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote this is the crossover an nba show hosted by sports illustrated's chris mannix and howard back it's a whole new level for you and me chris this relationship like and subscribe for the best weekly nba content these two are capable of what does that mean could be the best duo ever i don't see how you can beat that here they are chris mannix and howard back Crossover NBA podcast, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. And Beck, happy Ben Simmons, James Harden introductory press conference day. That's what we're calling Tuesday, February 15th. I don't think I've ever seen this before, Mannix. Like, this is uh, unprecedented that these guys, first of all, everything about the trade was wild anyway. And we really see two all NBA caliber players traded for each other in the same season, no less, on trade deadline day. And then they had back-to-back pressure. Like, literally, actually, the Philly one got delayed a bit, so there was a bit of a gap. But they were scheduled to basically be back-to-back, and it's essentially how it went. Um, fascinating, too, because these guys, yeah, they're very different personalities. Neither of them said a lot. We'll get to that. But uh, you could just kind of... It was interesting compare and contrast. Let's just say that. Yeah, I don't want to unpack some of the things that we heard at this press conference. Let's start in Brooklyn with Ben Simmons. We haven't heard from Ben Simmons since May of uh, 2021. It's been uh, nearly a year. Well, I guess not that close to a year, but it's been a long we, time. We've had multiple variants yes. in the time since we last saw. True. That's true. Ben Simmons, um, yeah, we haven't heard from him in a long time. So he finally showed up in Brooklyn, and he started to speak to the media today. First time speaking to the media. Um, and he was asked right off the top, what was kind of the final straw for him in Philadelphia? What made him know it was time for a change? Um, I don't think it was really that. It was more so just a, it was just piled up, a bunch of things that have gone over the years. 
to where I just knew I wasn't myself and I need to get back in, into that place of, you know, being myself and, and being happy as a person um, and taking care of my well-being. Um, and that was like, the, that was the major thing for me. Um, it wasn't about the basketball. It wasn't about the money, anything like that. Um, you know, I want to be who I am and, and get back to, you know, playing basketball at that level and, you know, being myself. So there was the first comment from Simmons. Um, one of the second ones that I heard that was interesting was he addressed the skeptics out there of his mental health. Um, we know, Howard, that there were plenty of people, whether it was on social media or inside NBA front offices, that questioned whether Ben Simmons had real mental health issues, uh, whether or not it was more of a tactic that was being employed by Simmons and his team over at Clutch Sports to get him out of Philadelphia. Here's what Simmons said about that. They should be happy. I'm smiling, honestly. Um, I've had some dark times over these last six months, um, and I'm just happy to be in this situation with this team um, and organization. So people are going to say what they want. They've said it the last six months, and I haven't come to um, – and it is what it is. So people are always going to have their own opinions. Finally, he talked about what is now a – Pretty interesting rivalry between the 76ers and Nets. Rarely do you see two superstars traded in season for each other. Uh, even more rare do you see it happen between division rivals. And that's what the Sixers and the Nets are. They are going to be going at it three, sometimes four times a year for the foreseeable future. Ben Simmons will be going back to Philadelphia as early as March 10th. James Harden, he's going to have to hear from the crowd in Brooklyn, of course, when he goes back there. Uh, here's what Simmons said about this new rivalry. I mean, I've been on the other side, so I've played Brooklyn in the first round and had them booing and Jared Dudley talking shit to me. So um, that was a lot of fun, though. I actually, I love Jared for that. Um, but no, nah, I I want everybody to be looking at us like we're the best team and we got to get there. Um, it's going to take time, but um, I'm positive we can do that. And, you know, I believe in, you know, coaches and, and the organization here and the players uh, to do that. So there you have it, Howard. Uh, three of the more interesting clips uh, from Ben Simmons' press conference today. What was your takeaway from listening to Ben Simmons for the first time in a very long time? That we still don't really know a lot of things. I think we still don't really... I don't think we really know Ben Simmons. There, We could just put that out there broadly. He's been in the league for how many years, and I feel like he is still a bit of a mystery to us. But I also think that to the extent that today's press conference was the first chance for the public, fans, media, anybody interested in this whole saga, to get a sense of why... Why he's here, basically. When I say here, because I'm in Brooklyn, I was not at the press conference in, in uh, person. But why is he here and not in Philly? I, I don't think we really know any better today, February 15th, Chris, than we know knew anything for the last eight months about why he needed to be out of Philly. We know what the history was. We know the things that we've been talking about and speculating about in terms of relationships with Joel Embiid, with Doc Rivers, with the organization. We know that he and his representation, well, through his representation, gave the explanation in the fall that he uh, wasn't mentally ready. I don't think they ever actually used the term mental health, but they said mentally ready. And so that it kind of implies mental health. People can put that wherever on the spectrum of psychological terms they want to do. Um, but he did not clear anything up today, Chris. And I'm not surprised at that 
Ben Simmons has always played his cards very close to the vest. He's always been one who is, he's just very flat in front of the media, right? I don't mean that as a criticism. That's just his personality. He's pretty straightforward, reserved, doesn't give you a lot of emotion, doesn't give you a lot of, you know, what he's thinking internally. Occasionally he's had those, you know, there's been some revealing interviews, I think over the years with, with Jackie McMullen, maybe a couple others, but we, we, I, we don't know that much about him and we still don't know today what the reason for his trade demand and ultimately the trade to to, uh, to Brooklyn was about. Now, I'll just go back real quick and then I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. But like, so the question was from Mark Spears. That very first clip we played was from Mark Spears. The question he asked him was, what straw made you snap say it was time to go? And Simmons's response was, he says, I knew I wasn't myself. I needed to get back to the place of being myself and being happy as a person and taking care of my well-being. He says it's not about money, not about basketball. And then he says, I quote, I want to be who I am and playing basketball at that level and being myself. I don't know what all that means exactly. I don't know if he couldn't be himself as a person or as a basketball player or a combination of those things because of the friction he had with Embiid or with Doc Rivers. I don't know if it's because of something else that was going on in his life. Um, and we'll, we can get into this, but I mean, for those who were skeptical of him, I'm not going to take sides on this one, by the way, but for those who were skeptical of his alibi, his explanation of, of mental readiness as to why he wasn't playing for the Sixers until the trade, I don't think anything he said today is going to persuade any of those folks. No, I, I would agree. Um, you know, Simmons just a day or two after the trade was at shoot around with the Nets all smiles. Uh, there was a clip circulating from the game the other night where he's sitting next to Andre Drummond and he's laughing on the bench. Um, even as stoic as he is at that press conference, as you heard, he's smiling now. Like, he's happy. This, to me, was strictly about finding his way out of Philadelphia. You mentioned what we still don't know. Uh, you know, without more specifics, I'm not sure I buy the explanation that this decision was a culmination of many things that happened in Philadelphia. It has largely been attributed to the end of the Sixers playoff run last year, where Simmons was just brutal in that series against the Hawks. Uh, didn't make a shot in the fourth quarter of all seven of those games. Afterwards, Doc Rivers now famously was asked, does he believe the Sixers can win a championship with Ben Simmons at point guard and said, effectively, I don't know. Um, I, I still, Howard, if I'm making an educated guess, believe that was what sent Simmons into whatever spiral kind of he went in, but he seemed to suggest otherwise, that there was more to it. Now, like he's going to be back pretty soon. Like He was asked about playing March 10th in Philadelphia. He said, I hope so. I would guess the plan is to have Simmons on the court playing sooner rather than later, and I would venture to guess, and we're doing a lot of guesswork here, there's no doubt about it, but I would venture to guess that whatever prohibits Simmons from getting on the floor early has more to do with physical conditioning than it does mental kind of reconditioning. Remember, he hasn't played in a long time, not since the end of the playoffs last year, and you can work out at as many equinoxes and local gyms as you want. It takes time to get back into NBA uh, playing shape, so... Yeah, I don't know how much we learned about Ben Simmons. I do know, at his best, Simmons is going to help. 
I mean, he is. Like, that team, their defense has not been good this year. Simmons is going to immediately upgrade that. I mean, he's not the one-man top 10 defense that Rudy Gobert has transformed himself into, but he's right behind him. Like, he gets stops at multiple different positions, and that's something that the Nets badly need. On the flip side of it, until I see him make threes, that's still going to be a problem. Until I see him show confidence in his offense in the fourth quarter, I'm not sure Steve Nash is going to be able to play him in those situations. But, you know, the, the, on, the there's a there's a scenario where the Nets actually are better with Ben Simmons instead of James Harden. Oh, I think there's actually a very good chance that they... I want to say a good chance. There's a good reason to believe that they can be better with Ben Simmons and James Harden if, 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 and this is a massive if given the man's track record, but if Kyrie Irving is actually on the court and playing all games. I don't know if that's going to happen this season or not, or in these playoffs coming in the spring or not, or if it's next season. I'm not sure if Kyrie Irving is still net next season. But the idea of two absolutely elite scores two of the best we've ever seen in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant who can get their shot off anywhere anytime at any angle from any place on the court and a defender plug-and-play guy playmaker in Ben Simmons I think is just this perfect compliment I was never a big fan of and I know that the numbers were off the charts especially the advanced stats and the per 100 were all off the charts in the brief 16 games that Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant played together, and that they might just blow you away so much offensively, so unstoppable, that you wouldn't need defense. Okay, maybe. We never got the full test of that. But I do know that Ben Simmons will make this team better defensively. I do know that he's a guy who, while he has he does want the ball in his hands a lot, but as a playmaker and not as a scorer, he's going to be able to, both in the half court and especially in transition, Going to get a lot of easy shots for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and for the shooters they have around them, including Seth Curry, who came over in the trade. So I, th- I think their potential is is great with him. Plus, yeah, he's seven years younger than James Harden. He is even not playing basketball for eight months, uh, at least in the NBA, is probably in better shape than James Harden right now. I think that there's a lot to like about it, but I have questions, Chris. I have questions. Uh, let me start with this one. Ben Simmons, the entire time, from the moment he arrived at the NBA and all of his years with the Sixers, considered himself a point guard, basically a unicorn point guard, 6'11", Magic Johnson style point guard, point forward, point whatever. But he wants the ball in his hands. He wants control of the offense. He's now joining a team where you have two guys in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant who are phenomenal with the ball in their hands as scorers and as playmakers. And... I don't know that he's the point guard on this team. How does he feel about that? Well, why, um, why why wouldn't you think that? Because James Harden was on that team. And in the limited time those three guys played together, their offensive numbers were through the roof. Now, yes. you have to account for more with James Harden when he's out there. You can't just leave him alone in the same way that Ben Simmons can be left alone on the perimeter. But I'm not so sure but that's that... The ex- but that's exactly sure that, it. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. But like, you know, I'm not so sure that... that ball dominance and ball control is going to be a problem. Like Kyrie's not the type of guy that says, I want to bring the ball up every single time. No. We know that because he ceded responsibility to James Harden. It's more a matter of self-image 
Ben Simmons, from everything that I've gathered over the years, has this sense of himself. I am a point guard. I am the point guard of every team that I'm on, and I'm an all-star point guard for that matter. So he, it's not a matter of whether or not Kyrie Irving is okay giving it up. It's a matter of how much Ben Simmons needs to control the offense. People have talked about him being more of the Draymond Green role. You can argue that Draymond Green at a lot of times is the the, the point something of the Warriors offense. Um, and, and, you know, most years leads them in assists per game. Ben Simmons can do that, but it, I do think that the limitations of having Ben Simmons as your primary ball handler were what we saw in, in Philly the last several years, right? If your primary ball handler, if your point guard is a Rajon Rondo or a Ben Simmons or somebody who cannot shoot and will not shoot, it limits your offense. It can stifle a lot of things because now guys are going under on screens or they're clogging up the paints. They're playing off of you. You want the ball in the hands of a guy who forces the defense to guard them up close and make them pay for going under screens, make them pay for giving you even an inch of space. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant do that. So you're better off with the ball in their hands more than in Ben Simmons hands at times. Um, So that suggests, and especially if it's the Draymond Green role, well, he's not the guy at the top of the court. He's, you know, he's, you know, uh, at the elbows or he's on the dunker spotters, the paint, he's somewhere, he's somewhere else. If you're not the point guard, is he okay with that? I don't know the answer to that. When that question has been posed in various forms to Steve Nash and Sean Marks, they've kind of said, ah, you know, we'll, you know, figure it all out. They haven't really addressed it. Um, I'm curious about that. I am also curious about when he makes his debut. Uh, he made it sound like, yeah, I'd like to be playing by the time that March 10th game against the Sixers. I mean, given how much he has avoided being around the Sixers and not wanting to be in that arena and not wanting and, and, and how averse he seems to be to the reception he's going to get from Sixer fans when he was with the Sixers. I don't know that he's, I don't know that we should expect him back by then or not. I also think that a theory was floated to me when I was at the Nets game last night uh, by another media member, and I won't name them. I want to give them credit, but I don't know if they would want uh, me to say it, but there was the the theory that, Ben Simmons is going to time this to when Kevin Durant returns from injury, that he's not going to want to be on an island. And that makes a lot of sense to me, given where he's been, given everything he's gone through uh, for the last eight months. Coming back when Kyrie Irving is barely playing and is only playing home games and Kevin Durant is not there yet, like Ben Simmons want to walk out there with, you know, the Nets supporting cast by himself to make his debut. I'm going to guess not. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense that he will be back when he's got at least Kevin Durant next to him. Yeah, um, I think there's probably truth to that. Um, I think you'd probably want all three of those guys out on the floor in that first game that Ben Simmons plays in, so that would have to be a, a road game. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. As far as March 10th goes, if I'm Ben Simmons, like it's going to be bad when I go back there. And it's going to be bad. If this is a team that I might see in the playoffs, um, I, I, it's going to be bad no matter what, whenever, for years to come. But maybe you just want to rip the Band-Aid off here. Do it in a regular season game that doesn't have a ton of meaning and uh, do it and just get it over with at that point. So uh, that would be my advice to Ben Simmons. Last point on, on Simmons, though, it's like if you're Brooklyn, you got to love the fact that you now have a guy you can just deploy defensively on anybody. Like you face, anybody. You face Philadelphia. Here, Ben, take James Harden. You face Milwaukee. Hey, Ben. Go take Giannis. You play Miami. You see Jimmy Butler, Ben? Go shut him down. He's proven that he can do it. Like, this is a great defensive player, as versatile as they get on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, that's just going to take an enormous amount of pressure off of guys like Durant and Kyrie, who are still going to have to defend at some level. But to have a guy like Simmons play the kind of defense he can play on anybody, one through four, really, that's remarkable. So you're looking at, you know, hopefully Joe Harris comes back. Simmons at effectively the one-two, Kyrie alongside him in the games he can play in. Uh, you know, whatever you do at the center spot, Aldridge, Drummond, who, you know, Drummond's actually pretty good. I, I think Drummond might have an impact on this team. Um, you know, you, you've kind of morphed that team into a more complete one, I think, with Simmons. Yes, and the fact that they, and listen, I just wanted to say, like, because Daryl Morey, drives a hard bargain in most of his trades. And, you know, Daryl, I think, you know, probably wins the vast majority of his trades. Sean Marks did an incredible job getting Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and picks in this deal. Now, look. Yeah, I mean, Howard, like, Philadelphia yeah. is, and deservedly so, they're saying, look, we held on to Matisse Teibel. We held on to Tyrese Maxey. Those are the guys Absolutely. we believe in. But, but you gave up a lot, to your point. Like, Seth Curry yes. is an elite perimeter shooter. Andre Drummond is a very solid big man. He's one of the best rebounders of this generation. And you get multiple first-round picks. The Nets, obviously not going to use this year, but they can turn around in years to come and use that draft capital to go get somebody else that they can add to the mix. So, yeah, they gave up stuff. Draft capital that they didn't have after sending out all of their draft picks and swaps and everything else to get Harden just 13 months ago. So recouping a couple of picks to use in future deals. By the way, do you think there was like a moment that like Houston's like, oh, wait. These pick swaps, we might be seeing Boston, uh, Brooklyn 2.0. Like when things were at their worst, like Kyrie might be leaving, James Harden is sulking. I know Durant's there, but who knows? Probably in, in the mind of Raphael Stone down there, he's probably like, "Oh man, I might have just pulled off something here." Pick swaps, baby. Pick swaps. Well, not only the swaps, but even the the, you know, the picks that they own outright. Um, the Nets have such a wide range of possibilities here, right? Like this could go phenomenally. 
and they go to the finals every year for the next three years or something, um, this could implode, right? Kyrie Irving is as as volatile a star as as there is in terms of just like you don't know what to expect from day to day and season to season. I don't, and again, I don't know if Kyrie Irving is still on this team next season. Um, ben Simmons, like for all of his talent, and you and I just sat here for 15 minutes praising all of the things he brings to this Nets team. He hasn't played in eight months. He has shown himself to be a little temperamental, and we don't really know why he wasn't playing for you know the first 50 games of this season and where his head is or anything else. And so, like, there's a lot of, you know, this this could go any number of ways. By the way, Kevin Durant is in the midst of yet another very long injury rehab for the second year in a row. Third year, if you want to count year one with the Nets when he was just rehabbing from the Achilles. But his first two seasons of actually playing games for the Nets, he's had multi-week injuries to deal with. Is that because he went through Achilles surgery? Yeah, it may well be. I mean, we're not doctors here, but like that that's what happens at this age with this mileage and having that gone through that surgery. So yeah, the Rockets could, could get a nice payoff down the line from this trade. We'll see. But I, anyway, I think Sean Marks did a great job in, in getting Seth Curry. They really needed a shooter and he's one of the best in the league. Joe Harris, who's also one of the best in the league, has not played uh, pretty much all season and may not return. Um and getting Andre Drummond a big body, like I know there's they like they have this like overload of of quote unquote centers, but like you know, Nick Claxton is young and kind of skinny, and Lamarcus Aldridge has got a lot of miles on him, and Blake Griffin's got a lot of miles on him. Like, and they didn't have anybody who's just like as big of a just like a beefy like banger in the paint as Drummond, who obviously one of the best rebounders in the league for several years running. So I think Sean Marks did a great job in not just getting Ben Simmons and unloading an unhappy James Harden, getting a, a, a younger star for him, but replenishing a rotation that really needed some holes filled. Yeah, you mentioned Joe Harris. Like He, to me, is a big key to the Nets' success in the postseason. If he's able to come back from this long, lingering ankle injury, the Simmons shooting issues... I don't want to say they're inconsequential because they always will be a thing, but to have two elite scores in Kyrie and Durant and the shooting of Joe Harris, who when he's on is the best shooter in the NBA, like no qualifier there, best shooter in the NBA when he's on point. Um, Having him back, I think is going to be big uh, for that team. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, let's move on to James Harden, who was introduced down in Philadelphia on Tuesday, the newest member of the 76ers. And Harden was asked right off the bat about what happened between himself and the Brooklyn Nets. Originally, you know, when I was going through everything I was going through, uh, you know, in Houston, uh, Philly was my, you know, my first choice. Uh, it just didn't happen. So, um, you know, but just detailed, I don't really want to get into, you know, the, the Brooklyn situation. I just knew, you know, for a very long time, this was a, a perfect fit. And obviously you got a, a, a big man, the best big man in the league and Joel, and then, obviously, the coaching, uh, just from top to bottom, it made sense. And um, I'm just happy and, and blessed that I'm here. And um, as Doc and, and everybody knows and everybody wants is, is to win and be the last team standing. So um, I'm excited for the opportunity. So after that, Howard, the reporters in attendance in Philadelphia, rightfully so, smartly, started to try to drill down a little bit on James Harden's uh, thought process over the last couple of days and weeks, specifically as it pertained to Kyrie Irving, the on-again, off-again star with the Nets. Uh, Harden was asked how much Irving's off-court issues, specifically his unwillingness to get the vaccine, had to do with his desire to be traded. Very minimal, honestly. Like, obviously, Kyrie, me and Kyrie are, are really good friends. Uh, you know, whatever he was going through or is still going through, that's his personal preference. Uh, but it definitely did impact the team because originally, you know, obviously me, Kyrie, and Katie on the court, you know, and winning covers up a lot of that stuff. But um, it was unfortunate that, you know, we played 16 games out of whatever it was. And, you know, it is what it is. But um, this is, you know, here in Philly is an opportunity um, that I'm looking forward to. And lastly, towards the end of his press conference, Arden took what, I thought was kind of a shot at Kyrie Irving and the Nets when he talked about how committed uh, these 76ers were to winning a championship. For me, it just it made sense, man. It's, it's a time where I needed to be, uh, you know, around the guys that I know that want to win and know that are willing to do whatever it takes to win. And um, the structure here is, is unbelievable. Uh, that's the goal, man. That's the goal, like Daryl said, opportunity to window is now. Joel is playing the best he's ever played. Um, you know, so my job is to come out there and, and help him and help the entire team win the championship this year and years going forward. All right, Beck, so we heard from the beard there. Uh, give me your takeaways from that media appearance. <laughs> when he said right off the top, Philadelphia was always my first choice and it just didn't happen. Like, that's just I don't really, really believe that. Like, that's another one. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I don't really believe that either. Like, there's a whole whole lot of stuff going on that on Tuesday I didn't really buy into. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that I don't buy it. 
I, I, you know, look, we see in this reunion with Daryl Morey and Tad Brown, who's, you know, uh, was president, CEO, whatever his, his title is, who also came from Houston. Uh, and we know that Harden is close with some of the owners there, too. Like, it's it's not crazy to think that that's where he always wanted to be, that that was his first choice. It's also not crazy to think that Tillman Fertitta did not want to send him to Philly and send him to Brooklyn instead because, A, he didn't want to give him to Daryl Morey, and B, he wanted the draft package that the Nets had to offer rather than Ben Simmons. Like, it is... It is plausible. I'm not going to call out Harden on that one. Like I think it's also, I think it's possible. It's it's not so much that he's revealing Philly was my first choice. It's that he would say it out loud, whether it's true or not. He said it with a purpose. He didn't have to say that. He could have just said, you know what? I loved being in Brooklyn with my good buddy Kevin Durant, who you know I came into the league with and uh, played you know, years with in, in Oklahoma, and Kyrie and I did it or whatever. Like he he could have said all that stuff, and then said, but I'm really looking forward to playing with Joel Embiid. He'll be the best big man I've ever played with. He didn't. He said, this is where I always wanted to be, not Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. That's that's good stuff. Um, and then toward the end, as you noted, like saying that at the end with the Nets, everything was on me, same as it was in the last situation, you know, uh, or, or Houston, comparing Houston and Brooklyn. He's not wrong. Like Durant is out and Kyrie Irving is playing road games only and like that's part of it and I don't buy though there's one thing I'm definitely going to say I do not believe James Harden on from this press conference it's what he says that the Kyrie uh factor was quote very minimal yeah I'm with you I mean I I I I had an exchange with somebody last week either on the day of the trade deadline or maybe it was the day before when I basically put it to him this is somebody who knows James Harden well, knows his thought process and is definitely aware of what was going on in the hours leading up to that trade. And I said, is it Kyrie? Is it this? Is it that? Is it all these things? And I only got a one word response via text and it was just Kyrie. That was the text. So I have I have absolute faith in that being a primary cause. Maybe not the only one, but Harden didn't want it all on him. And he also, I mean, look, we saw the sideways quotes about I'll give him the shot myself all this stuff like he definitely did not appreciate the fact that Kyrie Irving was not fully committed to this team because of his opposition to to the vaccine leaving them shorthanded all the time yeah there's no doubt about it I don't think his personal relationship with Kyrie Irving had deteriorated going into the season I think it was a professional issue that yes if Kyrie's not going to get vaccinated it puts him back in the same place he was in when he was a Houston Rocket. He wanted out of that situation in Houston. But look, as I'm hearing him speak, one thing's kind of registering with me. It's like, all right, so the going got tough in Brooklyn, and you kind of got going the other direction. And that's not exactly what happened in Houston because he gave Houston, what, seven, eight years uh, with that organization. And look, they had kind of run its course in part. It's partly his fault because his inability to – play with Chris Paul then the Russell Westbrook thing didn't work out um but like things were rocky in Brooklyn and his reaction to it was to say I don't want to be there anymore like if you're if you're the 76ers like how confident are you that that's not going to happen again like Joel Embiid is having a healthy MVP caliber season he's been great but he's got a history of injuries and if Joel Embiid winds up going down James Harden's going to once again look around and say, well, I got Tyrese Maxey. He's okay. Uh, I got Tobias Harris for now. He's fine. But it's going to be on me once again to kind of put this team on my back. I mean, 
how he's responded to the adversity of the last 14 months would give me a reason for pause and, and reason to be concerned if I was the, the 76ers. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a fair question. Um, and Harden has cycled because through Because, by, by the way, by the way, real quick, I would to yeah. punctuate that. Like, it, it wasn't going to be that way in Brooklyn forever. Like, people, like, the reason people were writing, myself included, for the days, that, in the days leading up to the trade deadline, is that I was hearing from people in Brooklyn, like, look, it's bad right now. We get that. But Kevin Durant was the MVP or one of the top MVP candidates before he went out of the lineup. He's going to be back. We are crossing our fingers and hoping that something happens in the next couple of months that allows Kyrie Irving to play full-time with us, whether it's a change in the rules in New York or Kyrie up and decides to go and get vaccinated. So, like, there was... It wasn't like it was a hopeless situation in Brooklyn. Like, there was light at the end of the tunnel when Durant returns. Maybe Kyrie's back. Joe Harris, he comes back. You know... Harden just, you know, spent half a season going, you know what, this isn't for me, and then bailed. That that, that that's what worries me the most about this situation. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think if I'm gonna make a case for why this will be fine in Philly or why they should not be worried about Harden repeating some of his past tendencies, alienating co-stars and all that, it would be that given his age. And how deep into his career he is. And given the fact that he's forced to trade twice in 13 months, he has to know this is all on him. He's got to be, I don't want to say on his best behavior is not the right phrase, but that he, he, it's on him to make this work. It's on him to figure out how to best utilize Joel Embiid, to mesh with Joel Embiid, to form that partnership at a more productive and healthier and sustainable level than he did with Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook or the Nets or wherever. Um, And so... That, but the Sixers, know, Howard, Howard, the Sixers right. are preparing to give him a massive amount of power once again. Like if they give him that contract extension, they'll give they'll guarantee him two hundred and seventy million dollars over the next five years. They're going to have to cater to him as much as any other team has. Yeah, and, and look, but that's today's NBA in general with with a lot of stars. Uh, they are taking some risks for sure. Given his age, given his sometimes uh, lack of attention to uh, his conditioning, um, given his his uh, nightlife uh, habits, given a lot of things, but this is this was this was the highest ceiling play that they had, you know. And we'll see where it goes. I do think I think the one thing you said that uh, is the most. Um, Tangible concern is is this idea that Joel Embiid has an injury history. He does. Um, every year he's going down for, you know, at least 12 to 15 games, right? It doesn't have to be that way in perpetuity, but that's been the history. And so uh, that's a little scary, um, but you're it's all about now, right? They're just trying to win a championship immediately. This season, if possible, next year, if, if they don't get it now. And, you know, they hope for the best. Hope for the best when it comes to James Harden's uh, commitment and and his his health and his uh, focus, his commitment to making it work with Joel Embiid, and it's a leap of faith on on Joel Embiid's health as well. But you're right, if Joel Embiid goes down for half a season, and it's James Harden feeling like he's by himself again, or not enough talent around him, feeling like it was at times in Brooklyn and in Houston at the end, yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. But I mean, he can't. There, there's no other place to go at this point. Like he's he's running out of teams. He's running out of years of of being an elite caliber player. Um, and 
you know, while he's never been a high flyer and never relied on like the traditional kind of athleticism that we think of in association with a Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or, or Westbrook, say, he does need that um, the guile in his game, the, the the deceleration, the quick movements, uh, all that deception does rely on a certain amount of athleticism. So, you know, you get to your mid thirties as a guard, some of that stuff starts to go. Yeah, and if if and when he signs that contract extension he becomes completely untradeable because whereas in the past, if you're paying James Harden a quarter of a billion dollars, you're willing to roll the dice. Uh, and in his prime superstar who scores at the level Harden does. Now, at age 32, going into next season, his age 33 season, um, nobody's going to take on that deal. Not one's going to pay him in excess of $60 million when he's in his age 38 season. Uh, it's not the same thing as Russell Westbrook, but it's comparable in the sense that if Philadelphia would ever hope to get off that contract, they would have to include some serious draft sweeteners to, to do that because that would be gobbling up whatever the salary cap's going to be in, in the foreseeable future. You know, two, uh, a third, two-thirds, whatever it may be of your uh, available cap space. So this is, this is it. Like, he's a 76er for the rest of his career. I think so. And, you know, if anybody's going to make that bet and feel confident in it, it's going to be Daryl Morey, who knows James Harden as well as anybody in this league. Uh, but Daryl better be right. Like He better be right. Wrong. He better be right. Like, look, I've said this before. Like Daryl knows more basketball than I will ever know. He's forgotten more about basketball than I will ever know. But he's his, I don't call it an Achilles heel because it's not, but like he, he believes like stars solve all the problems. Like he's been star focused for a long time. He, and he accomplished a lot when he got James Harden out of Oklahoma city. James Harden at that time was a sixth man, albeit a very good one. And he helped guide him into becoming the superstar that he is today. But there was Chris Paul, then it was Russell Westbrook. And you know, like, I don't know. I mean, like a few years from now, we're going to have the answers. We're going to look back and say, look, would a John Collins, Bogdanovich, a package have made more sense for this team? Would it have made them deeper and stronger going into the playoffs, playing around Joel Embiid and a whole bunch of shooters with an emerging Tyrese Maxey? That's the risk Daryl's taking at this point. Um, you know, Harden, Harden and, and Embiid could turn out to be the greatest pick-and-roll combination since Stockton and Malone. I, I don't know. Like, they could. They could turn out to be great together. But one could get injured. James Harden could continue to regress. And then, like, in year two and a half of this experiment, we could see uh, things start to unravel in Philly. Well, I'll just say this. This is the one part of, of Maury's thinking that I, you know, if not 100% endorse, it's 99%. Stars win, and you need more than one. And you can win with an ensemble. And you can argue, like, was Milwaukee a true, like, you know... Yeah, that's a good argument. Like, Chris I mean, Middleton's good, but, like, he's not right. your second star. But he's a, he is a multiple-time all-star. Um, Drew Holiday has been an all-star. So they had three guys. They have Giannis, who is, you know, a, a supreme athlete, supreme player. Um, and two guys who have at least been at an all-star level and have made all-star teams. Could the Sixers plus John Collins, who's not been an all-star, Bogdanovich, who's not been an all-star, Tobias Harris, who did he make one all-star team? I can't even recall. I think he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Tyrese Maxey, who may one day be, but we don't know. That's, like, the, that's the other part. We discussed this briefly on the Megapod we did last week, but I'm fascinated to see how Maxie and Harden mesh because Maxie had the ball in his hands a lot when he was the primary playmaker. James Harden presumably becomes that guy um, in Philadelphia. Like how big a step back, if at all, is Tyrese Maxie going to take? Because he was one of the best stories 
coming out of Philadelphia this year. He is one of the biggest reasons that they're in the position they're in today. But the teams that have made the finals and that have won championships for most of your and my careers have been teams that had two identifiable stars and sometimes three and sometimes even four, right? Toronto was a little bit of a weird outlier, but Kyle Lowry was still a perennial all-star at that time. Siakam played like a star. Um, How dare you disrespect the Detroit Pistons of yesteryear? How dare you? Milwaukee and Toronto are the two recent outliers, sort of. Everybody else has been super teams for the most part. Also two of the three most recent champions, though, so maybe we're seeing a trend, Maybe, perhaps? Maybe. I mean, listen... Where chemistry matters more than perhaps I, star talent? I, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of the hope and the idea that that's the case because most markets cannot create super teams. Nobody's forcing their way to Indianapolis or Minneapolis or a lot of other places in this league. So we need an antidote to super teams. We need teams to be able to do the ensemble thing where you just get one superstar and a bunch of really good, well-fitting players around him and have phenomenal chemistry and be better than the sum of your parts. I, I, I want that to work, Chris. I want to believe in that. And I think that Milwaukee and Toronto in their own ways sort of support that premise. But <laughs> when push comes to shove, most of the time you need multiple stars and even multiple superstars. And, you know, look, Toronto doesn't win it if, if Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson stay healthy. I hate to say that because I love that Raptors team and they are, they earned it. I'm not asterisking anything or anything like that. I'm just saying when push comes to shove, the team with more stars tends to win. Uh, I don't blame Daryl Morey for going out and getting James Harden as opposed to a couple of nice role players plucked off of the Atlanta Hawks. That wasn't just a... I mean, that, that Warriors team wasn't just a team with stars. That was a team with super-duper uber-stars. Yeah. Like right, but, that's, like, but that, if, if they don't get hurt... That's one True. more of our counter arguments off the board is all I'm saying. I, 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 I kind of get that sort of, uh, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. A lot, lot of, uh, lot, we'll, we'll revisit this podcast three years from now when uh, we see what the 76ers uh, look at. How, Howard, uh, enjoy All-Star Weekend out there in Cleveland. Are you going, I assume, to All-Star? I am going. I will be dressing warmly. I will be spending as much time as possible inside. Uh, look, <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss this after the fact, but like LeBron... Back in Cleveland with two Cavaliers on his team, the storyline just writes itself. <laughs> it just <laughs> writes itself. I know Lakers fans don't want to hear it, but turn off the internet over the next few days during All-Star Weekend, Laker fans, because people are going to be writing they, about the LeBron return to Cleveland. I've I got news for you, Chris. The, the Laker fans should probably just turn off the internet, their TV, and everything else for the next several months because I don't think this is getting any better anytime no, soon. No, it's not. I mean, while Cleveland is just playing out of its mind and uh, they're talented, they're young. And oh, by the way, they're like a small forward away from being a dynasty-type team uh, in Cleveland. Uh, good stuff, Howard. We'll do it again next week. Always a pleasure, my friend. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus